just a glimmer of good news when it comes to fundraising during the virus crisis. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by Dr. Danielle Vance McMullen. And Danielle is a leading scholar on the issue of donor advised funds. And a study that just came out late last year provides some promising information for fundraisers now that we're wrestling with fundraising during the pandemic. And Danielle, it's great to have you with us on this Fundraising School podcast. Thanks for having me, Bill. So this topic of donor advised funds, what led you to research this topic? Uh, and what really stands out as we begin this conversation in terms of what fundraisers need to know? Well, I was a consultant in Chicago around the time of the last recession, actually. Um, and we did a variety of work there, but that included some work with the Chicago Community Trust, which you may know has a substantial number of donor advised funds. And so this was during the time when donor advised funds were really becoming popular, and I just and I really became interested in the subject. And um, as I partnered with Dan Heist, who was at the time a PhD student at Penn, he had some really interesting data, and we realized that we could actually look at giving to donor advised funds and giving from donor advised funds during the last recession, which was also a really big interest area of mine because I recall driving up Lakeshore Drive from a consulting meeting just as Lehman Brothers was collapsing during the last recession. So it's one of those things where, um, you know, all of my interests came together. And Danielle, the donor advised funds now are very well known. They're in the philanthropic press, even the popular media uh, cover this topic. But just to make sure fundraisers understand, this isn't just in community foundations anymore, right? They're in the private wealth industry. Even large nonprofits are hosting donor advised funds. That's right, yeah. Donor advised funds are essentially intermediary philanthropic vehicles. You can think of them as a charitable checking account. Um, but what people might not know is that they are available not only at your local community foundation, but also at some of these national organizations like a Vanguard charitable, a Schwab, or a Fidelity charitable. And then even um, you might think of them as more religiously affiliated organizations. So National Christian Foundation is one of the largest donor advice fund sponsors, or your university might actually have a donor advice fund um, option for, for donors. So they're really check, charitable checking accounts that can exist at a lot of different locations. And there is a concern that since the donor receives the tax advantages immediately after putting the dollars into the DAF, before those dollars then are transferred to a charity, that the donor advised fund can become a parking lot. Now, research by the Lilly Family School Philanthropy and other national organizations show that about two thirds of the dollars that go into a DAF in a particular year actually come out of DAFs in that year to go to other qualified nonprofit organizations. And yet, Danielle, your research takes that understanding to a whole new level. What typically happens, according to your findings, uh, through donor advised funds during economic downturns? Well, you know, that's a really great point, Bill, that a lot of the money that is being donated into donor advised funds is coming out. People use them in a wide variety of ways. Um, and during a recession, some of the patterns that we notice during the regular kind of economic times are, are even enhanced, right? So you mentioned that about two thirds of the, or maybe, yeah, two thirds of the funds nationally that donated a particular year, that's on average. And actually that includes a wide variety of variation among organizations. Mm. Um, we find that during the 2007 to 2016 period when we studied, um, the median, which is a little bit different than the average, right? It's like kind of the, the middle Mm -hmm. Donor advised fund was actually granting about 87% of the money that it um, that it brought in, right? Mm -hmm. And during the recession, 
that money, that dollar amount actually was greater than 100%. So those organizations were giving out more on, on average, maybe on median, than they brought in. Um, and that was especially true of certain kind of organizations, for instance, those single issue organizations, which had a bit of a religious bent. So those donors really were, were pulling out more funds than they brought in. And we also looked at the payout rate, of course, because that's one of the most popular um, ways of measuring donor advice fund activity. And that was showing us that, thinking about the asset levels, um, that those donors who had um, substantial assets in the donor advice funds, those, the payout rate actually peaked in 2008. So that meant for those donors who had those assets, they were paying out something like 16% of their donations on, or I'm sorry, 16% of their assets on median. So during an economic downturn, when we look at donor advised funds, more gifts are going out and more dollars are going out. Is that, yeah, is that it's, it's amazing. I would, we call them relatively resilient. Um, and that's for a couple of reasons. Um, first, we saw a, an increase in giving during the, that last recession. So um, let me see here. I can think about the exactly statistics. We saw an increase in all of our grant metrics. There was an 11% increase in grants in 2008, which is especially notable compared to what was happening with individual giving during that time period, which saw an 11% decrease in giving. So if you think about those two numbers comparative, they're both individuals making decisions, but those people who had socked away money essentially for charitable giving were, were really taking advantage of that. And we did see a follow-up decrease in 2009, um, but I, overall the 2009 granting was still larger than the 2007 granting. And so as you look at these data and you look at these results on DAFs being more active and even more generous during economic downturns, uh, were you and your colleague able to either you know, quantify or at least speculate why? You know, there's this concern that the DAFs become a parking lot, that they, you know, if it's a charitable checking account, the dollars never have to come out of the checking account. And yet when nonprofits need these dollars the most during an economic downturn, we see the donor advised funds being most active. Yeah, we, we, we've thought some about that. Um, I think that there's a couple of things going on. And, you know, there's a, going to be another paper coming out um, by my colleague Dan Heist, as well as some co-authors, Megan Farwell and Benjamin Cummings. Um, and I think they're going to be looking at specifically different kinds of strategies that donor advised fund uh, users have. And, you know, in talking to them about this, I think what we've what we've started to think about is the fact that people have a few different strategies. Sometimes people are kind of putting in money and pulling it out on a yearly basis. So you almost think of those as the tithers, right? They just like to have a separate account to kind of keep track of all their work. Um, some people are putting in money when they have kind of an exceptionally good year and then pulling it out as they get good asks. So you think about it as, um, in a recession as a fundraiser, your asks have a good, have an exceptional sense of urgency, right? So people are getting asks that they believe in during that time and they're able to pull that out because they had put money in when economic times were good. And the third kind of person is someone who's thinking of it as a mini foundation, right? Mm -hmm. So they're thinking of it as a situation where they put money in and then they slowly pull it out over time. Um, and we did see that foundations were more generous during the last recession, or especially compared to the drop in assets they saw. So I think all of those things were at play, right? The people, especially that had socked away money, either as a mini foundation 
or as um, a good times, bad times kind of account, um, were really getting very powerful and urgent asks and they were responding to those. You know, Danielle, it just would resonate with everything that you just said there. We know one of the reasons people set up donor advised funds are the folks who back in the day maybe would have set up a private family foundation, but it's so much easier to establish a DAF as long as you can meet the minimum dollar requirement at the community foundation or at the DAF holder in the private wealth industry or larger nonprofits that, that host these. But we also know that donor advised fund uh, donors are some of our most strategic donors. They're, they're putting that the dollar amount in the checking account, waiting for the right time or waiting to accumulate a certain amount uh, to get that out the door, waiting for that right request as, as you just articulated so well. Uh, and it would seem to be then for you know these various reasons in terms of using the DAF as a foundation, wanting to be strategic, wanting to be involved at the right time, could help explain why these DAFs are so popular and become more generous during times of economic downturn. Yeah, and I, I, I'm teaching a class right now thinking about kind of behavioral economics and psychology and how that applies to a lot of the things we do in the sector. And one concept from that uh, literature is called mental accounting. So mm -hmm. you might you might be familiar from a kind of a personal saving standpoint. You might have a separate account in your mind for saving up for vacation. You might have something that you think of as kind of the, the fun money, right? Um, versus the everyday rent and all these things. Well, people have these sorts of mental accounts for charitable giving as well. And one thing that DAFs do, I think, you know, as, as far as I would speculate, um, is make those more explicit. Right, and so when you have a mental account for something, you're more and and it's funded, right? You're more likely to spend money on that thing uh, from the other literature. So you can see here, um, psychologically, it 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 is just a a comfort to people to have that money and to be able to spend it on something rather than thinking that they have to pull from their other needs, right? Well, okay, if I spend, if I give a charitable gift, then maybe I'm not gonna put money in my kid's college account. No, you already have that socked away. Yeah, because even if the dollars stay in the DAF, the dollars cannot go back to the donor. So they've already committed and, and tucked that money away with their mental accounting. I love that phrase. And your students are very fortunate to be learning that from you at DePaul University in Chicago, which is where Danielle serves as a professor and continues her research uh, and her scholarship. Danielle mentioned also she previously served as a consultant to nonprofit organizations and still consults with nonprofit organizations as they seek out her advice and her knowledge. Danielle, how would you sum this up then? What advice do you have for nonprofit organizations? You know, one of the questions we receive all the time is how do I find these donor advised funds? And I think fundraisers are used to going on the candid website, entering some keywords and finding foundations. That's not the case with DAFs. What, how, how should fundraisers respond to your findings that DAFs can actually be more generous during times of economic calamity? I think what's important to think about is that donor advised funds are not like a foundation. They're like a special checking account that an individual is, is holding, right? So you can think about them as actually individuals in a lot of ways, but especially individuals who are committed to charity. And so here what you wanna do is you wanna to talk to your existing individual donors and try to get a sense of, maybe you don't wanna directly ask them if they have a donor advised fund, that might feel too pushy, but you might ask them, do you have money kind of set aside for charitable giving right now? And they, and they probably will come back with, talk to you about, you know, I do, I actually have a donor advised fund. Oh, well, have you thought about, um, you know, I'm sure you're hearing from a lot of organizations right now. Have you thought about 
what's the right amount to give now versus save for the future? And then you can start to have those conversations. So it's a lot about getting to know your donors, the people that are already committed to your organization, and getting to know kind of their charitable strategies and how donor advised funds may pay into that. And from there, you're really thinking about um, making sure your request does all the things we, we teach that they teach at the fundraising school, right? That it's urgent, um, that it shows the impact of the work, that it shows how that, those dollars can make a difference in the mission of the organization. And those are all the fundamentals that people know so well. So it's about having those conversations with individuals rather than thinking of donor advised funds as kind of in the foundation category. And Danielle, we would fully endorse that at the fundraising school. You find the individual first and then find out that they have the donor advised fund. There can be a small exception to that at the community foundation. If you're talking to a program officer, they won't identify their DAF holders, but you might as a fundraiser be able to say, hey, if any of your donor advised fund holders would be interested in this, would you please pass word along about my nonprofit? But, but by and large, we're, we're talking about you find the individual and you learn that they have the DAF. Anything else that fundraisers need to know? Yeah, you know, one thing that might be worth thinking about a little bit right now, um, I will say that because the stock market looks a little bit different than it did during the last recession, I, I do think that there's a bit of a timing issue here. I think a lot of times people have been ingrained for years and years, don't take money out of the stock market when it's down, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so I think donor advised funds are, are showing big losses in assets, just like anyone else who has particular levels of investment. You can think about your own retirement account, um, all of those things. And so there is a bit of a timing issue here where you really do need to make the case for the urgency of your need right now, because what people are, some people can be a little bit hesitant to pull money when um, the assets are down. It feels like taking a loss on those investments. Um, that are in the donor advised fund. So I would think, I do think that there's um, a bit of a conversation to be had there and it's an objection to both kind of be aware of and, and prepare for, um, but not be daunted by it. So just be able to have that conversation and say, yes, I understand that this is a, this is a time um, where, where you might be seeing a drop in assets. And I, but I think that we are also seeing such an urgent need in our organization. Um, that we, we don't, can't necessarily wait for those assets to come back. And I think that because those mons, funds are set aside, you're more able to have that conversation versus someone's personal stock that maybe they've been um, holding personally for many years. That is great advice from Daniel Vance McMullen, professor, Dr. Daniel Vance McMullen, professor at DePaul University, where she's also a leading researcher on donor advised funds. And as you can see and hear, uh, a wonderful gift at translating her research into practical advice for fundraisers. And I also just need to point out for our audience, uh, Danielle earned her master's degree at the Indiana University Lilly Family School Philanthropy. Uh, and our master's degree is now available entirely online. Uh, this is not a how-to degree. This is a why degree and a what degree. We challenge you with the big questions and the complexities and prepare you for leadership positions. Some of them are in the academy. A lot of them are out in the nonprofit sector. Uh, and if you want more information about our master's degree, certainly, please let us know. Meanwhile, what we want the rest of our audience to know as well is TFRS at your desk, the fundraising school, TFRS at your desk. And that's our response to this pandemic crisis. We have numerous opportunities. We've heard so many requests from different types of nonprofits in different subsectors about what they need right now. So we have these free podcasts that are tailored to how do we fundraise during and after the virus crisis. We have our monthly webinar chat conversation sessions called Fridays with the Fundraising School once a month now uh, throughout the summer. Uh, we have our 
public courses still in place. Now, most of them are online. We do hope to be back in person in August in Indianapolis. That's the plan for now. Uh, but if you can't come to Indianapolis or we're not able to offer those, the courses that lead up to our certificate in fundraising management and the courses that lead up to our certificate in fundraising leadership all are available online. And you can attend for 50% off if you apply for a crisis response scholarship, a crisis response scholarship for up to 50% off the registration fees. And then lastly, we've come up with somewhat of a summer learning institute. We're calling it the Series in Current Affairs Fundraising, five half-day courses. They'll be taught in a virtual setting. And if you take all five of those courses, you earn a current affairs certificate in fundraising. And this goes well, we think we're gonna do this every summer. All the information available online, at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. You can also follow us on social media with Dr. Danielle Vance McMullen. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm -hmm.